This is The Guardian. Today, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard and why TV cameras in US courtrooms can lead to trial by social media. A warning before we start, this episode does contain misogynistic language, descriptions of domestic violence and sexual assault. Earlier this month, there has been a verdict in a trial watched by millions around the world. The gruelling defamation case between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard finally came to an end. The verdict came after six weeks of very dramatic testimony from both sides. She claimed that he abused her while he said she was the abuser. A seven-person jury concluded that Amber Heard had defamed Johnny Depp in an article she wrote in 2018 for The Washington Post. In a statement, Johnny Depp said the jury had given him his life back. Amber Heard said the dis disappointment she feels is beyond words. Well, let's go. And while headlines claimed victory for Depp, the jury did also rule in Heard's favour that she was also defamed by Depp's lawyer who called her allegations of abuse a hoax. But during the grinding and highly public six weeks of testimony, the saga mutated into more than just a defamation case. I'm looking for justice for Johnny because he deserves it and he's just a wrong, he's a victim. Every day, crowds lined up outside the Virginia courthouse in the early hours of the morning, hoping to be one of the hundred people allowed in the spectators gallery. My name is Karen Usen and I'm from Colchester, UK. We flew here for this, yeah. My hope is justice for Johnny Depp. I stand with Amber Heard. I think what's going on on Twitter is very sad to see. But the court of public opinion was holding its own trial. Was TikTok seemed to become the social media venue where a lot of this played out? Heard's testimony of the alleged abuse was broadcast on phone screens, television sets around the world. This keeps getting better and better and better. Where every day, nine million people were tuning into the live feed and publishing their reactions online. I've believed Johnny Depp for years. I have never liked her. Um, a trial by TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube happening in real time. I think the real punishment is that it's been exposed to the world how insane she is. Yeah. Like, she's insane and she's a liar. When their marriage broke apart in 2016, Depp texted a friend saying that Heard was, to quote, begging for global humiliation. And if you've spent any time on social media in the last few weeks, it's clear that's what she got. When a jury can smell your lies, they don't like you. From The Guardian, I'm Noshi Iqbal. Today in Focus, why does the US televise court proceedings? And with millions watching along, can there be a fair trial? Paul Thaler, as a professor of journalism at Adelphi University in New York and the author of two books about the impact of TV cameras in courtrooms, can you, first of all, take me back to the beginning of this story? When did television cameras first start appearing in courtrooms in the U.S.? Well, uh, cameras started to appear in American courtrooms in the 1980s. I'm not asking for mercy. 
for I find it somewhat absurd to ask for mercy for something I did not do. Uh, the famous Ted Bundy case, uh, a mass killer here in the U.S., uh, was televised, and the judgment on cameras in the court was that, in fact, it, it caused no harm, essentially, to the fair processes of justice. Uh, into the 1980s, courtrooms across the nation opened up to this experiment, and then there was really just this pull by the technology to open the courtroom, and some of this pull came from, actually, media organizations that certainly wanted to use footage from sensational trials to broadcast to the American public. Obviously, as a journalist, I can see why it's important for journalists and members of the public to be able to sit in the room while a trial is taking place. But what is the justification for opening up trials in this way and to have a case broadcast live on television? Yeah, the notion of a free press, free media, an open courtroom, First Amendment rights and the like is certainly paramount having to do with the camera in the courtroom issue. And certainly uh, television news people argue that the public has the right to see what goes on in these ongoing trials. And I do agree, actually, fundamentally with that idea. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a former journalist. So I certainly believe in First Amendment rights here in the States and an open press and an open courtroom. In fact, the courtroom it is a place where the public is allowed to attend. But I don't, I don't think that original idea took into account that the open courtroom would also encompass an audience of millions and millions of viewers, uh, a media attention that does something to the inside of that courtroom. At the beginning of it, it sounds like there wasn't any question over the morals or the ethics or what it means to sensationalize the justice system. It was, well, we have the access, we have the technology and we have an audience. Let's go. It all began with charges laid by L.A. police against O.J. Simpson in connection with the brutal slaying of his ex-wife, Nicole, and 25-year-old Ron Goldman. Paul, the trial of O.J. Simpson in 1995 was perhaps the most memorable televised court case in history. It just doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. It had moments that came straight out of television drama. It was a picture of the U.S. that everyone could recognize. There was celebrity, there was race, there was murder, there was sex. Did that trial change the relationship between justice and entertainment in the U.S.? Well, I think it did change. And here we had, as you mentioned, this high-profile individual. And because this is a major celebrity, probably this is the most famous American ever charged with murder. Someone who is basically beloved by the American public. The last person that people would probably imagine would be implicated in a double murder. Now, with all three networks covering the preliminary hearing live, from Boise to Bismarck, it's the only show in town. And uh, the entire culture was captured and captivated. I think there is an amazing, ravenous appetite for information about O.J. Simpson. But virtually the Los Angeles Times, as well as all local news stations, as well as national news stations and cable stations that were just emerging in the 1990s, really stopped covering anything else, essentially, it seemed. Inside the court building, another zoo. Reporters sit glued to small monitors, watching, waiting for any new evidence in the case that's captured the attention of the world. And so there was this whole rise of a new genre of television that Court TV certainly understood and was born out of. They realized that trials actually could be very entertaining. 
We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A. The jury in the Simpson case were sequestered for 374 days. And throughout this trial that was supposed to last for four or five weeks, a trial that lasted for 13 months, the judge basically lost control of this case, bringing in all sorts of sidebars and other motions, media cases brought inside that courtroom to extend this trial as it did, uh, exhausting jurors, exhausting virtually everyone connected to this case, losing sight of the two victims in this case. Surely the balance of a free press, in which, in this case, television cameras in the courtroom, that argument about transparency can still be made if it were broadcast after the ruling was made, for instance, or if it wasn't broadcast live. Yeah, of course, television wouldn't go for that. You know, it's a commercial medium. And millions upon millions of dollars, by the way, it was certainly made in advertising revenues as a result of the Simpson case. Uh, speaking of the commercial entities attached to the case, Virtually everyone associated with the case made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars associated in the aftermath of that, of that trial. Moira Donegan, as a columnist for The Guardian US, you have been following the Depp versus Heard trial quite closely. Can you take me through the basic facts of the case, first of all? Where did it all start? So Johnny Depp and his ex-wife, the actress Amber Heard, were in a relationship from 2012 to 2016. And at the time, there was a lot of tabloid coverage that depicted their dating relationship and eventually their marriage as volatile and shaped by drug use and accusations of infidelity and uh, blowout fights, right? And this came to a head in 2016. Amber, did, did Johnny give you that bruise on your face? When Heard appeared at a Los Angeles courthouse with bruises to her face and was granted a restraining order against Depp and they divorced. The lawsuit itself stems from a 2018 op-ed that Heard published about two years after her separation from Depp, in which she referred to herself as, quote, a public figure representing domestic abuse. The article was published in the Washington Post, and it didn't mention Depp at all. It had no allegations about their relationship. It was very much about uh, sort of the aftermath of making an allegation and the way that women are treated after they come forward. Uh, nevertheless, Depp and his attorneys alleged that that statement was defamatory and he sued his ex-wife for $50 million. Now, Johnny Depp had already lost a libel case here in the UK in 2020 against the Sun newspaper. Maura, can you remind us what happened there? Yeah, so Johnny Depp has sued previously over these characterizations of the ways that he treated his ex-wife. Uh, he brought a suit against the Sun newspaper in the UK, claiming defamation over an article that referred to him as a wife beater. And, you know, that suit was something that legal experts thought that Johnny Depp might prevail in. There is no First Amendment. Uh, the burden of proof to make a truth claim is entirely on the defendant. But that case 
was decided by a Justice Nickel and the son, with the assistance of Heard, who cooperated as a witness for their side, was able to prove to Justice Nichols' satisfaction that Depp had abused Heard on at least 12 occasions. It has been incredibly painful to relive the breakup of my relationship, to have my motives, my truth questioned. I stand by my testimony, and I now place my faith in British justice. So having already lost this case in Britain where the judge ruled that the papers, that the son's characterization of Depp was, quote, a wife beater, was, and I quote again, substantially true, Depp still decided to pursue Heard in the US. Maura, can you explain the differences between these two cases? Well, it should be noted, even though defamation trials are much harder to win for plaintiffs in the United States in general, Depp had a few advantages in the U.S. Uh, For one thing, he got a trial by jury and a jury of 12 inexpert ordinary people who don't have expertise in how domestic abuse functions or in defamation law. And also in the U.S., the judge in the Virginia case allowed the proceedings in her courtroom to be live streamed. Good morning, Judy. Can you hear everything okay today? Okay, good. All right, good morning. All right, do we have any preliminary matters? Maura, when the trial in Virginia got underway in April this year, it became clear that both sides saw this as an opportunity to air their side of the story and just deliver us this really troubled ugly narrative of their relationship. It's just really, really turbulent. What were the arguments that Depp and Heard's teams were trying to make to the jury? Yeah, so this is a case that is unusual as a domestic abuse claim on a few fronts. First of all, it's between two famous people, uh, so it garnered unusual degrees of attention. But also uh, the fame and the wealth of the parties involved meant that they were frequently in the presence of others, staff, handlers, agents, friends, hangers-on. And Amber Heard's lawyers accused Depp of really a pattern of abuse made worse by the alcohol and drug use issues that he has struggled with for some time. This is a picture of you on a, on a black leather couch, passed out, correct? Passed out's an interesting way of putting it. Heard side described a pattern of behavior in which Depp would drink and use drugs to the point of blacking out and then lash out at her in arguments. And Heard's team says that in these incidents when he would be in a blackout state, he would escalate their arguments, berate her, and eventually uh, initiate physical violence. At some point, he had a broken bottle Uh, up against my face, neck area by my jawline, and he told me he'd carve up my face. Heard's side also alleged in some pretty grueling testimony by Heard herself that this pattern of violence included at least one incident of sexual assault. (laughs) I felt this pressure. I felt this pressure. He, on my pubic bone, he thought he was he he was punching me. And her lawyers presented documentation of her injuries. You know, she had 
photos. She had witnesses. There were text messages and communications to friends and family throughout the course of her relationship with Depp when she described frightening behavior by him and said that she wasn't comfortable and was at times uh, like quite scared of how he acted when he was intoxicated. But by that time, Johnny had already grabbed Amber by the hair with one hand and was whacking her repeatedly in the face with the other as I was standing there. Travis pulls them apart. And on the other hand, Depp's lawyers also painted a picture of a of really tumultuous and unpleasant relationship between the two. Uh, first of all, they claimed that Hurd's allegations were, quote, wild, over the top, and implausible. Uh, they said that what she claimed had cost him everything, including his roles in Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies. For nearly 30 years, Mr. Depp built a reputation as one of the most talented actors in Hollywood. A respected artist whose name was associated with success at the box office. Today, his name is associated with a lie. And the lawyer said that Heard uh, had engaged in a lot of activity to try and fabricate this abuse. They accused her of faking the photos of her injuries. And they pointed to instances where Heard says that she was hurt, uh, but there was no documentation that she sought medical help. And you testified that you bled as a result of this sexual assault, correct? That is correct. And you testified that your forearms were cut. My forearms and my feet. And your feet were sliced up. That's correct. And you testified you had a bruise across your jaw. That is correct. And there is not a single medical record reflecting treatment for any of those injuries. Is there, Ms. Heard? I didn't seek treatment. Uh, and they argued that Heard herself was abusive. They accused her of demeaning name-calling and at times of physical violence. Yes. So you call him a sellout and a joke? I called him horrible, ugly things, as you can hear. Sellout. We spoke to each other in a really horrible way. Pretty sure we just heard you speak to him in a really horrible way. You called him a sellout? I just disagree. Right, um, you well, called I and there was a lot of audio and video evidence in this case where the couple had recorded each other. Moria, can you describe what that was? Yeah, you know, one of the things that was unique about this case was how much video and audio evidence there was. There was footage that Heard took secretly of Depp one morning slamming cupboards in their kitchen, drinking heavily. Oh, you got this going? You got this going? Oh, really? And then Depp's attorneys presented audio in which Heard, uh, speaking about a fight they had, told Depp that uh, she didn't punch him, but she did hit him. You got hit. I'm sorry I hit you like this, but I did not punch you. I did not fucking deck you. I fucking was hitting you. Uh, there was a lot of this audio, and it was all pretty disturbing. While we could never know the exact dynamic between the couple when they were alone, we do know how Depp spoke about Amber Heard over texts. What sort of things were heard in court when those texts were shared? You know, the text messages that Johnny Depp sent to other people uh, were quite disturbing. There was one text 
that he sent to the actor Paul Bettany, in which he fantasized about murdering her. I'd like to apologize to the court and to the jury for some of the language that I'm going to have to use today. But unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of documents with language like this. After you said, let's drown her before we burn her, Mr. Depp, you said, I will fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she is dead. In another text message, he spoke in luridly misogynist terms about her genitals. He called her mushy, pointless, dangling, overused, floppy fish market. Uh, There was a great deal of contempt. Both parties took to the stand and were cross-examined. Depp was challenged on his excessive drink and drug use. For his health, and you said, quote, I would have been swallowed up by the monster were it not for you. That is a simple fact. Isn't yes. that true? Yes. Again, the monster referring to alcohol and, and substances. He denied ever hitting Amber. Nor have I ever struck uh, um, any woman um, in my life. And that the texts were taken out of context. It's, it's, a, it's directly from Monty Python um, in the sketch about burning witches um, and then drowning the witches. This is a, this is a film that uh, we'd all watched when we were 10. And it, it's, it's just um, irreverent and abstract humor. Heard was challenged on the inconsistencies in her story. The only picture that you've produced and shown to the jury is the one that was just put up on the screen, where you said he hit you multiple times in the face, and you appear to have what is a bruise on your arm, correct? I believe this is the only picture that's in evidence right now. Your nose doesn't appear to be injured in any of these pictures, does it, Miss Heard? That's why I'm wearing makeup. Depp's lawyers questioned her on the recording where she appeared to admit to hit Depp. And you said you hit Mr. Depp, right? Yeah, I had to hit his body to get Ms. him Hurd, out of the door. My question was, you said on that recording... That in a 2015 incident in Australia, Depp claimed Heard had injured his hand by throwing a vodka bottle. She then grabbed that bottle and threw that at me. Heard denied this. She claimed that this was the incident in which she was sexually assaulted. At the end of 23 days of testimony, witness statements, video clips, digital imaging experts, the jury were left with a portrait of an extremely dysfunctional relationship. And outside the courtroom, all around the world, while some people were glued to every minute of the live coverage, other people were learning about the case through five-second viral comedy clips. Warwick, can you tell us about some of the online commentary and memes that took on just a complete life of their own on social media during this trial? Yeah, the online attention to the trial was really intense. It was almost inescapable across platforms. I didn't punch you, I hit you. What's up, TikTok? This is my impression of Amber Heard getting caught stealing uh, Doritos. Amber, I want to see your psychological issues really come out on this one. People would take footage from that live streamed trial and splice it up with their commentary and remove it from context. I'm literally crying. Why don't you ever believe me? <laughs> this bitch is crazy. Get her out of here. Get- 
So you saw things that were outright untrue, and then you saw things that were pretty deeply cruel. Johnny, you hit me in the face. My back was tortured, but you hit me in the face. People would take audio of herds weeping testimony and lip sync and reenact it. I, I have no memory, but I do remember this one time. I, uh, I walked into the building and the guy behind the counter So you had a large scale support for Depp that at times looked less like it was motivated by enthusiasm for Depp himself uh, than by opposition to Heard. Sort of Heard had a lot of anti-fans. Moira, we know the jury were not sequestered, which essentially means that they were not kept in the hotel rooms without tech and they were not cut off from the outside world. They were asked not to read the news, but they were still allowed to keep their phones. Now, obviously, the jury did watch the trial in full in court, but how possible do you think it is that jurors were influenced by the public mood on social media? I think it's not merely possible, but almost certain. And on social media, the coverage of the trial and and specifically commentary that favored Depp and opposed Heard was inescapable for weeks. Just the quantity of it was massive. And it was not something that could be avoided if you had uh, access to social media at all. So I think it was very, very unusual and candidly very unwise for the jury not to be sequestered in this case. And I think it is almost certain uh, that they were influenced by the biased misinformation that was available online. Do we know who is pushing that content online? You know, it's interesting. We do know that some forces were seizing upon the Depp Heard trial and the anti-Heard sentiment uh, to try and advance their own causes. Vice reported that the far-right online outlet, The Daily Wire, uh, was investing, you know, really, really large sums of money uh, to promote pro-Depp and anti-Heard content. We also know from reporting by uh, the media reporter Taylor Lorenz at the Washington Post that a lot of online influencers pivoted to covering the Depp Heard trial, even if they were, you know, typically working in other subject areas because there was such a large demand for anti-Heard content. How do you think the cameras affected the public perception of this trial? Oh, I think it, it simply accentuated. It, it turned even online observers into fans, one on one side or another. You know, television really created this eye view into the trial. But now every single participant on social media is a jury member, each pronouncing their own verdict. Millions and millions of jurors stating the guilt and innocence of whoever is on trial. How is it possible to stop that, to try and keep the jury away from that influence? Well, I I do think, obviously, not allowing a case to be televised 
I think would certainly stamp down public opinion. I, I think there's a, a careful line that we have to draw between the public courtroom and the media courtroom. And I think opening the courtroom to television creates its own issues, problems, dangers to the fair processes of justice. I mean, after all, a, a person's life, actually, a defendant is on trial in this case. This is not entertainment. This is serious business. And, you know, decisions have to be made having to do with this balance between a, a free press and a fair trial. Paul, given how messy this case has been on social media, is it likely that judges will now take a different approach in similar high-profile cases in the future? I, I think judges now are really under pressure to open up their courtroom to television or to social media. In the States, uh, judges are either appointed or elected. These are essentially also political decisions that they're reaching. I think it would take a, just, a, a justice in a high-profile trial to say no to one of these cases. It would take some, I, I would say, some real courage because it would, I, I think, be a clamor to see these cases. And for, kind of a, for a judge to kind of go against, I think, those type of public demands and also media demands, uh, I think uh, a judge would be hard-pressed to say no. My only hope is that some sort of restraint can be delivered in these high-profile cases, and yet social media itself is a forum that certainly has exploded the very notion of televised trials, something we couldn't have even imagined, I think, even 20 years ago with Simpson. Coming up, the growing trend in men bringing defamation cases against women who accuse them. Moira, last week the jury ruled in favour of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard has been ordered to pay $10.35 million in damages. Now, they clearly thought his reputation had taken a hit and been tarnished by the allegations Heard had made in that Washington Post article. Now, that was a very prominent headline that caught everyone's attention. But the actual verdict was a bit more complicated than that, wasn't it? Yeah, because, you know, the jury found that Heard defamed Depp by referring to herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse, but they also found that Depp defamed Heard via one of his attorneys when that lawyer uh, referred to one of Heard's abuse claims as a host. Jury concluded that Depp was defamed by ex-wife Amber Heard, adding that she was also defamed by him for smaller damages. Uh, it's a strange ruling. It does seem a tad contradictory, both that Heard defamed Depp when she identified herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse, and also that Depp's attorneys defamed Heard when they referred to that abuse as a hoax. The verdict is slightly confusing. The US verdict seems to contradict the UK trial. Now, the only people who really understand what happened in their relationship is them. But regardless of who was or was not abused in this case, it could still have implications that go well beyond this story. Putting this case aside, 
Following the trial, Stanford law professor Michelle Dorber said that allowing the trial to be televised was the single worst decision she could think of in the context of intimate partner violence and sexual violence in recent history. Moira, in your opinion, do you think the case being televised played a role in its outcome? Yes, it did. The other problem is we had cameras in the courtroom. Amber Heard's lawyer, Elaine Bredhoft, put much of the blame on the courtroom cameras and the brutal atmosphere they generated. But we had everything on camera and we had tremendous social media that was very, very, very much against Amber. Very it was pointed out that that was the first time. Uh, the impact of cameras being in the courtroom meant that Amber Heard had to describe what she says were incidents of domestic and sexual violence on television. That's torturous. And the cameras also allowed clips from the trial to be taken out of context, manipulated, uh, commented upon, all in real time. While, as we discussed, uh, the jury was also able to see all that misinformation. I think it was a tremendously poor decision. Moira, Johnny Depp won the case. The jury found that Heard had defamed him and that she had done so with malice. But since the verdict, there has been some prominent criticism of the media circus around a case based on allegations of domestic violence, suggesting that it could mean women don't speak about their experiences of abuse. Now, this is happening at the same time as we're seeing this worrying new trend emerging of men bringing defamation cases against women who accuse them of abuse. Can you tell me a bit more about what's going on in the US? Yeah, so, you know, this case was just the most high-profile recent example of a growing trend of men accused of domestic and sexual violence bringing defamation suits against their accusers. The survivors' rights group Know Your Nine in the United States uh, has data suggesting that almost 30% of women who report sexual violence on college campuses are threatened with defamation suits. Moira, it has now been five years since the Me Too movement went fully mainstream. And as women, there was a sense that we were making progress, that this really was time up on women not being believed and not being taken seriously when they accused men of abuse. But now, where does this ruling leave us? The Me Too movement was, I think, a really important step forward for women's rights. It was an outpouring of women's free speech, a large-scale refusal to be silenced. It was a moral movement emphasizing women's right to their own bodies and decrying men's assertions of entitlement to those bodies. But it was also, you know, a media moment. It was also something that even felt at the time short-lived. I remember speaking to survivors in that era who told me I have to come forward now before the window closes again. And I think that's a sentiment that was pretty broadly shared. And it's not uncommon, you know, in these progressive justice movements in America, sort of advancements, particularly for women, they never go in a straight line, right? We always have this situation where there's two step forward, one step back, and we've progressed quite a bit in Me Too And now we're seeing quite a bit of the backlash. But I think that memory of that moment and sort of the moral vision of women's freedom of speech 
and bodily autonomy and dignity in public that it represented, people aren't going to forget that. Women aren't going to be willing to go back into silence again, not for too long. Maura, thank you. Thank you so much. That was Guardian US columnist Moira Donegan. You can read her column, The Amber Heard Johnny Depp Trial Was an Orgy of Misogyny at TheGuardian.com. My thanks to her and to Paul Thaler. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Alex Atak, Sammy Kent, and Hannah Moore. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producers are Elizabeth Cassin and Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.